I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. This podcast is made in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he binds up, he shatters, but his hands heal. That's Job chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Why did God strike Job time and time again? Was it because he wanted to win a bet with Satan? Or maybe it was a test for Job's faith? Or maybe there is no earthly reason why, and we humans are doomed to suffer through life's agonies with the notion that we will never understand God's intentions. But then how do we go on? Where do we gather the strength from? When you think about Yuda Glick's life story, you can't help but wonder what his answers to these questions might be. Yuda was born in the U.S. and made Aliyah in 1974. For decades, he was involved in politics and social activism, and he devoted many years from his life to the struggle of Jewish access for prayer on the Temple Mount. But Glick's life has taken quite a few twists and turns in recent years. Since 2014, he survived an assassination attempt, he became a Knesset member, he was widowed from his wife, and recently he lost in the primaries for the next Knesset. What does God want from you to Glick? Since we weren't able to book the Almighty himself, we got the next best person to answer the question. <laughs> Member of Knesset, Yudha Glick, thank you for joining us. How are you? Baruch Hashem, thank God. Shalom. And uh, <clears throat> I think that uh, if you thought you were interviewing God's spokesman, then you're. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the one. I can't speak for him. But uh, For Yudha Glick, you can speak, though. I can try to speak for Yudha Glick. I can tell you that you skipped uh, some good parts, and that's... A month and a half ago, we remarried. And ah, Mazal Tov. So uh, there are so many good things that are happening in this life also. Uh, not, not only that, I think uh, uh, I can't, as I say, can't speak for God, but I can tell you that in Hebrew, the uh, table that a woman gives birth on uh, is called mashber. The word, Hebrew word mashber means crisis. So which tries to tell us that crisis, crisis is... Uh, are a very good potential for a new birth, for a new for a new birth, and I think that uh, uh, I've been accompanied by God, per- God personally through my life entirely, and, and uh, He's really taken me on, on a wonderful journey, and I've had the privilege of contributing to uh, <coughs> the wonderful uh, phenomena called redemption that we are. Uh, privileged to be living through right now, and uh, I'm very happy that I had uh, the privilege of being part of one of these greatest godly phenomena in the history of mankind. So, <clears throat> we want to get to the positives, and we'll definitely talk about that, but let's start with um, one must have been a turning point in, in your life, the day of the assassination. Can you tell us what you remember from that day? I remember it very well. I remember the day, the whole day, as a matter of fact. I remember preparations for the event we had that evening at in the Begin Center in Jerusalem we had an event called uh, Israel returning to Temple Mount we had uh, several hundred people who participated and uh, we we were uh, there were rabbis there there were politicians there and uh, it was really a wonderful event there were Christians Muslims who were speaking up for the return to Temple Mount and uh, 
at the end of the event, it was like uh, 10 p.m., where my wife came over to pick me up. Um, I walked out of the event after everybody went home. I was one of the organizers, so we were like collecting the material at the end of the event, and I walked over to the car where my wife was waiting for me. And uh, there I was approached by a gentleman on a, on a motorcycle who point-blank shot me four bullets to the center of my body. Did he say uh, anything before? Yeah, he said, he said actually, to my surprise, he first said, I'm sorry. Then he said, uh, you are an enemy of El-Aqsa. And, uh, and uh, then he shot me. Uh, he... Uh, as I said, I, I remember the exact shot. I remember looking at him. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know and, uh, when he approached me. But uh, I do strongly have a strong memories of, uh, of, of, the, of the, uh, the bullets and the bleeding. How does it and feel like? To my surprise, there was no pain. There was a lot of bleeding. I managed to stagger like 20 yards uh, and to collapse. Um, then he drove away and then my two friends who were with me came over to me and started treating me and one of them said to me Rabbi Yehuda we need you don't go and then I realized that my situation is a serious condition and then shortly after that I lost conscious uh, and I woke up 10 days later in the intensive care unit of the hospital Sharetzedek Hospital and when you wake up how long does it take you to realize what happened? No, I woke up, I knew what happened. I didn't realize how, that it was 10 days later. I thought it was the next day. I didn't realize I had gone through uh, nine different uh, kinds of surgery in those 10 days. But I realized I knew exactly where, what was going on with me. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to talk, but I was corresponding, writing, and uh, I heard my family talking to me. And uh, it was just not a simple, uh, not 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 simple. The uh, the rehabilitation, the curing, the healing. Uh, but I um, knew that I was in good hands. It's nothing. I mean, short of a miracle, considering the condition that you were in. But when you look back, I wonder when you look back on because you said that you remember this guy's face. Yeah. And when you look back at those moments and you remember him. Uh, he was um, he was shot and killed in the uh, in the uh, pursuit right. of him when right. they that when night they, that night. But when you remember him, do you is does it? Uh, what what kind of feelings does it spark in you? Look, uh, now that I know who he is and who he was and what he stands stood for, uh, I'm happy that he's not around anymore. Uh, unfortunately, he misunderstood. The message that I'm st- that we stand for, I think uh, he shooting me, trying to do it for the sake of uh, Islam. I can tell you that the the Muslim surgeon who operated on me and the Muslim nurse who took care of me did much more for Islam than he did. Uh, I think that uh, those who try to be exclusive, claiming that you know, the only way to worship God is their way, and anybody who wants to worship God in any other way. Uh, there's no other legitimate way to worship God and you have a right to kill somebody else for not worshiping God your way. Uh, I think that's something we definitely have to uh, do whatever we can to prevent. 
but uh, I'm happy that I'm alive and continuing, and that he's uh, he's not. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a bit about uh, the the cause that you were that you still are working to progress the the Temple Mount. Can you tell us what uh, the organization that you're a member of does? And okay, at the time, I was a member of the organization called the uh, Temple Mount Heritage Foundation. Today, I'm a member of Knesset, but I'm in the process of establishing a foundation called <clears throat> the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation, which really looks at Jerusalem as the eyeball, the center of the world. And understanding that the re- phenomena of the people returning of the people of Israel back home uh, has a impact on the entire world, and that God chose the people of Israel not for the sake of the people of Israel, but for the sake of the world, and we are to be a light to the nations, and we're to be there, <clears throat> offer any kind of aid we can to anybody in the world, but also invite the peoples of the world to connect. And the place which represents that more and more than anything else is the place chosen by God, the venue uh, of the first and second temple, the venue of the that God refers to in the, in the Bible as the place he chose to rest his divine presence. And God's name is Shalom, which means way beyond just peace or a matter of tolerance or no war, but more a matter of inclusiveness, a matter of diversity, a matter of a, a house of prayer for all nations, and each nation praying to God in their in their way. And therefore the Temple Mount, which in the past was a, a world center for incitement and hate, should become a world center for inclusiveness, uh, diversity, uh, religious tolerance, uh, a, a world center for shalom. What's the current problem, though? I mean, what's the struggle about for people who don't know? Uh, for the last uh, <clears throat> 50 years, after Israel returned back, Uh, to Jerusalem and uh, to the Temple Mount. Um, we've allowed the Muslims to, to run the Temple Mount. Why? <clears throat> Part of uh, our character, Jewish characteristics of uh, believing that if we are tolerant for others, then they will be open-minded uh, for you. And unfortunately, again and again, it's been proven to be wrong. And therefore, the only way to turn the Temple Mount into a world center of inclusiveness is if it's in the hands of, of, the, of the sovereignty of the state of Israel. And that's what we're trying to do, is to encourage people to come to Temple Mount, Jews and non-Jews, to remove from the Temple Mount anybody who believes in violence or anybody who legitimizes any kind of violence or terror or harassment or hate or incitement, and to encourage those who really want to genuinely worship God to come to Temple Mount, to turn the Temple Mount into a house of prayer for all nations, as it should be. And would you, would you say it's true that, the, well, for the most, most part, uh, many Muslims or most Muslims uh, believe that only Muslims should be allowed to pray there, and that's the main obstacle? Many Muslims believe that. And, uh, we, many that's, or that's, most? Mm-hmm. I don't think most, most. Most Muslims don't really care about the Temple Mount. Okay. Um, but many Muslims, especially those living here in Israel, uh, believe that the Temple Mount is a place that should be only for Muslims. But, uh, you know... And they're willing <coughs> to do anything to prevent, basically... I don't think they're the willing to do any, anything to, pray, to, to prevent, and I don't think on the status quo, because we're not talking about status quo, we see that quite often the Muslims try to change the status quo to their direction. Um, but, look, billions of people around the world who believe in the Bible, uh, 
Jews and non-Jews, refer to the Temple Mount as the most sanctified place in the world. And uh, you can't allow that only one religion should take over, as I was speaking about before, that you can't allow a situation where uh, if, you don't, uh, if you don't do it my way, I can kill you. And therefore, I'm happy that in the last few years we've seen the process that Israel has removed from the Temple Mount those who were promoting violence, northern uh, Islamic uh, movement, the radical Murabitan and Murabitat who were actually encouraging violence on Temple Mount. So what would the Temple Mount look like under uh, Jewish or Israeli rule? It would be just kind of, I mean, would there be a synagogue there? Would it be an open, would it be a room where anybody could come and worship? Would there be a Torah? Look, as I said before, the Temple Mount is not something which is disconnected from reality. In the past 70 years, uh, the people of Israel have returned back home to their homeland after 2,000 years of exile. After a few years earlier, there was an attempt to totally erase the people of Israel from the face of the earth in the final solution. And uh, in the 70 years that we've been here, we've established a modern state, a state that is uh, playing on the courts of the bigs, um, where the fourth country to send a spaceship to the moon, and where, uh, kind of less research still needs to land, but uh, okay, but <laughs> little, little, small little, detail. <laughs> yeah, but the, first of all, the attempt to send it also is, is one thing. But the other thing is, the other thing is, and that is, we uh, we are considered the eighth strongest country in the world. Um, we are way beyond proportion to the to our size. Uh, the the the, what, the way the world is in, being interested in what's going on in Israel, the United Nations, the Prime Minister of Israel meets with the leaders of India, Japan, China, uh, China, United States, Brazil, Russia, uh, Russia, all over, and 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 you know we're 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 only a small eight million people, a population of eight million, and that shows that we're on the table. The world hasn't yet decided what our whether to recognize our capital, not to recognize our capital. And that means that we play a central role in this world. And the Temple Mount is the core of the whole thing. The return of the Jewish people back to Israel is called the Zionist movement. And Zion is the name of the Temple Mount. And we have to make sure that these great things that are happening to the people of Israel are not something that is that, that are only for the sake of the people of Israel. We have to make sure that the world benefits from these achievements that Israel has achieved in the past 70 years. And I think that if we look at it from a faithful perspective, the Temple Mount represents God's presence in this world, and Israel, being a light to the nations, can connect people from all over the world to the book of the people, to the land of the people, to the word of God, and to the morality and ethics that, this, that, the, that the book represents. At any price, though? What but if, I, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt because I, I, I don't think I got an answer. <laughs> and I just want to press you on it for a second because I want to understand what the Temple Mount would look like. under. I, I'm 99% sure it would be more inclusive than what it is today. But I'm just wondering, like, let's say tomorrow we get the Temple Mount. What is it going to look like? How is it? Is I'll it gonna tell be- you why you're not getting an answer from me. A very simple reason. Okay. If I would approach Theodor Herzl... <clears throat> In 1897, when he, when the first Zionist Congress got together, he said, listen, what is Israel going to look like? 
Would he know about uh, superhighways? Would he know about Intel? Would he know about uh, the media that were? These are things that develop. It's a, it's it's not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing. The Temple Mount will be a house of prayer for all nations. How it will happen? All the nations will decide together. It's not a private uh, initiative by a, a private organization that I will establish. And it's not going to have a sign, Yehuda Glicks uh, donated the the, uh, uh, the marble for the, uh, for the faucets. It's going to be something which is much more great than that. And when, when it happens, I don't know where exactly where the air conditioners are going to be, and I don't know uh, what solar system they're going to use. All those details are so minor. The idea and the concept is what's important. We're going to have to learn to share. We're going to have to learn to, to, to turn the place into a place which represents faith in God. And the faith in God and the God of, 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 of the Bible is the God of Shalom. And he's the God who, wants, who has a message to the entire world. And he doesn't want us all to be the same. He wants us to be different. And therefore he, he, he knocked down the Babylonian temple, Babylonian tower, which represented all everybody being the same. No, he wants us all to be different. But although we're all different, we're all worshiping God, and that's and we're all part of one big concert, one mm-hmm. big orchestra, one diverse harmony, symphony. And 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 you don't go to a concert to see the trumpet and say, "Wow, the trumpet was right." You go to a concert to see the or the, the the way the violin and the drum. Uh, and the cello, each one of them balance the other one. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for one big harmony. We're looking for one call in the name of God, an inclusive God. But in your, in your journey to harmony, uh, third intifada could start, war could start, world war maybe could start. And I, I'm asking you, what's the, like, what's the red line? And, and is it worth any price your goal? You know, the, is your goal uh, worth anything? Uh, it's, Any it's, means necessary. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't refer to that question as a legitimate question. And I'll why? answer you why. I'll answer you why. A few years ago, there was a terror attack in a newspaper in France. Uh, Charles de, de, de Bédou. Uh, yeah. Le, Le Bédou. Charles, 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 Charles Abdou. Charles Abdou. They were there for, for talking for freedom of speech. You can say, is freedom of speech so important that you're willing that people will be killed because of freedom of speech? The answer is no, but those who, the, the freedom, the, the terror they attacked didn't have because because of freedom of speech. It happened because the terrorists who shot them. And you have to remember, if terror occurs because of what I just spoke about, it's not because of what I just spoke about. It's because of the terrorists. And no terrorist will ever get up in the morning and say, "Listen, I'm a terrorist." Terrorists never will always blame the victim. It's like the guy who says, "I'll never beat up my wife if she doesn't deserve it." <laughs> okay, you don't, you don't, and so you don't. So you don't say the wife is to be blamed that she was beaten up, and the and and the victim is not to be blamed for the rape, and and therefore the same thing I'm saying right now. I am speaking, legitimately. I'm talking about tolerance and inclusiveness. I'm talking about peace. If anybody breaks that and kills people in the name of that, he's not killing. The, and and the the, the 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 idea, the morality is not with the one in charge of the killing. It's the terrorists and the killers who are charged. In an ideal world, I uh, I totally agree with you. Thing is, though, sometimes in our world, in reality, terror wins. For example, Charlie Abdul, in that example. Terror won. Charlie Hebdo is it became almost on the brink of, of bankruptcy. But but the question was not about Charlie Hebdo. The question was, uh, does that mean has has freedom of speech been shut down in the world, 
Or we have we no, seen but more. It's been or, do we see more? France. Do we see more freedom of speech in the world or not? Do we do we see? I, I think that the Charlie Hebdo the, the following week came out and instead of in thirty five thousand uh, copies, it came out in in two million. So so I'm not sure who won there. I think I in think Europe the, people think twice before they would publish something like that. So terror won. I'm not saying it's uh, it's awful. I don't. But it's reality. So I, I my question think, to you is, uh, what if? Uh, Do you deny that a, a third intifada is a possibility is it's a possible outcome I think to that, annexing yes. I think that if we God forbid keep ourselves away from Temple Mount we can we may witness a third uh, intifada uh, and therefore we have to make sure not to be to run away from them you know, I'll, t- I'll take another example okay yeah 15 years ago there was an area called the Gaza Strip there were a million and a half Muslims living there 5,000 Jews and And there were missiles falling on the Jewish settlements. And the world told us, listen, for what price are you going to do it? Let's uproot those 5,000 villages and you'll see Gaza will turn into Singapore. We uprooted those villages. And ever since we uprooted the villages, not one missile has fell down on any of those villages. But the missiles have gone to Tel Aviv, to Ashdod. And because the end is very simple. When you run away from terror, you're encouraging terror. When, you get, when the terror has benefits, If we, God forbid, prevent Jews and say, no, no, no you know, because of, because of the threat, let's keep Jews away from Temple Mount, the terror will say, wow, great, we, we, we want the Temple Mount, let's go on, and we'll keep Jews away from Jerusalem, and let's keep away Jews from, from the Galilee, and let's keep away Jews from the world at all. You don't give in to terror. If you give in to terror, you encourage more terror. If you build, if you continue coming to Temple Mount, and I'm happy that we've, we've overcome terror, terroristic ter- terror t- events on Temple Mount. In, when I began ascending Temple Mount, there were 100 Jews who ascended annually. Now we have 35,000 Jews. The violence has gone down by, 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 by so much. And that's the answer. The answer is never give in to terror. Giving in to terror encourages the third intifada. Wait, could you give us those numbers again? Because I, I missed them and I just want to... When I started ascending Temple Mount in 1989... Yeah. We had 100 Jews annually on Temple Mount. In 2018, we had 35,000 Jews. You want to give another number? In, ni- in 2014, in 2014, there were 200,000 tor- t- t- tourists who ascended Temple Mount. In 2018, 670,000. 670,000. And it's been more and more quiet. And, and we can't give in. The more we, we, we have to 670,000 tourists, tourists who are non-Muslim visited Temple in Mount 2018. in 2018 and 200,000 in 2014. But non, non-Jewish number. also? No, no, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not talking the Jewish. Tourists. Tourists, tourists who are non-Muslims. Okay. Tourists who are non-Muslims. The Temple Mount has become more and more. Yet still, if you're a Jew and you go to the Temple Mount, you aren't allowed to pray. Okay, those are right. things we have to change. No, we are trying to, because the we're, listeners we're trying, might not know what's going on. We're trying to change that situation, that so, sad, sad situation. So to give our listeners just a bit of a background, the Waqf, right, controls the Temple Mount currently. And basically, if you're a Jew and you go, the people that are in charge there will stop you if they notice you praying. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, that, that'll change by the... If, if, right, I said in 2018 we had 35,000 Jews. When we get to 100,000, 200,000, half a million... that'll change and that's mm-hmm. the way things change I, I don't believe in changes that happen in one day yes the Muslims were used to the fact that Temple Mount was only in their hands and they could make decisions what, what goes on there I believe that that's not going to continue that way 
I see. And who's carrying the torch? I mean, now, as we mentioned in the intro, you uh, you aren't going to be continuing in the Knesset. Is that true? For yeah. the time being. Right. Probably right. Will uh, you but, come back, uh, though? We will try again? No, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go on to the next step. I'm, I'm ascending uh, in all levels. And I wish and I hope, as I said before, to hope to establish the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation, which will be something much greater than just the Knesset. It will be something that will talk to the entire world. Jewish world, Christian world, Muslim world, to the entire world, because I think that, that the message of the return of the Jewish people back to Israel is a global message. What do you think about Moshe Feiglin, who also supports your causes, and they say he's going to be the surprise of the next elections? I certainly uh, wish him lots of luck. He's a very close friend of mine. I support many of the things he believes in. Uh, we, I share many ideas that he does. And I think if he makes it to the next Knesset, it will be definitely be a very positive uh, development. Just a last question about this, and then we move on. You know, too many Israelis, not the most, but too many, a good amount, they would consider you, Fagelin, as a bunch of crazy people. In the, the end of the 19th century, mass majority, 99% of the Jews in the world, thought that Herzl was a crazy guy. And I'm sure the Zionist movement, when they began, they were a bunch of weirdos. They were peculiar, and that the, or, the Orthodox were against them, the Reform were against them, the Socialists were against them, the, everybody was against them. Who are they? Are you guys crazy? Jews can establish their own country? Are you out of your mind? Let me tell you another thing. In the beginning of the 20th century, the feminist people were also pretty weirdos. What, women can be, can vote? Women can drive, women can be CEOs, women can be professors, women can be mayors, you're crazy. The only way to make changes, if you're willing to be, to be called crazy. And uh, as I said, all of these things happen to have to happen only in legitimate ways, only by following the law, but only by faith and believing that the world is dynamic and we can't continue on doing things just because that's the way we've been doing them till yesterday. So you um, you were outside of the Knesset, you served now for a period, and now you're uh, speaking about the foundation that you're going to continue with after. Do you think that, that, that you, from your experience over these past couple of years, do you feel like there's more, uh, you have a, a better ability to influence from within the system or from, from outside? Both. I did a lot in my two and a half years in the Knesset, and I'm very happy I was here, and I felt it really a privilege to be here. Uh, I was honored to be here, and I, li I liked what I did here. And I think that uh, my next step I'll, I'll do outside. I mean, we're, the world is con is con consists of doctors and shoemakers, and I don't think you can ask me which who, who does more. Those who sell in the supermarkets or those uh, the cleaning ladies or the uh, chemists, Everybody has his part in the, in the in in the world, and I think that the, I I wouldn't like to talk about who's more important and where can you do more. Everybody fits himself into the slot at that certain top time in life. What's the achievement uh, from the last two and a half years you're most proud of? I'm very proud of the uh, legislations I did uh, through uh, of the anti-smoking legislations, which brought Israel. Way ahead of where it's recent, it was. Very recent. Very recent. Yeah, it took it took two and a half years to do that, <laughs> almost from day one in the Knesset, and I, we completed it 
the final last day of my of of, of these recent classes. I was very much involved in a lot of dialogue groups, in dialogue between Jews and Christians, Jews and Muslims, dialogue between religious and non-religious Jews, dialogues between Israel and the, and the society and the, and the diaspora Jewry. Uh, I was involved. These are things that I really believe in. I believe that I made an impression also in terms of optimism. I think that uh, uh, people were used to, a few years ago, always uh, kvetching, complaining, uh, blaming, and I think uh, I added to some different kind of attitude of looking at the positive things of world. Uh, I can't not not everything can be measured with a ruler, but I with a yardstick. But I think that uh, uh, I've I've done a lot, and of course I've done a lot in the Temple Mount issue. Uh, as I said before, we outlawed the uh, the terror organizations that were working on Temple Mount. And uh, as I said, I believe we're going to continue this wonderful work in the in the future. I'll be out of the Knesset, and others will be in the Knesset. Aren't you afraid now to go back to your um, to doing things for Temple Mount after the assassination attempt? I mean, I would be really scared walking in the streets. It's it's traumatizing. You think that the smokers are going to try to assassinate me? Uh, okay, it's actually maybe. don't give ideas to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if, if you if you're always afraid of what you're doing, no, but also Muslims okay, again can I, be pissed I'm, at you. I'm afraid. I'm not afraid. I be- I do what I believe, and uh, I am determined to do what I believe. I take the precautions needed, but I but you can't stop doing things because of of of, of being afraid of threats. You have to do what you believe. And uh, that's the way it is in the democratic world. Thank God Israel is a democratic country. And uh, I will continue doing what I believe uh, is right. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't think uh, that what I believe is something that's totally disconnected from the reality. So uh, I think about a year ago, um, you lost your wife to, uh, after January, she struggled January with... 1st, yeah. January 1st, January 1st. Uh, you lost your wife after she was struggled for how long with uh, disease? She was uh, six months in, in uh, out of out of conscious, but she was for two years. Uh, she was for two years uh, suffering uh, post trauma. And that, I mean, must have hit you pretty hard. This yeah. is your first wife. My first wife. And you had been together for twenty six years. Twenty six years. Yeah. So how do you cope with? I mean, how many children do you have? We have uh, eight children. Eight children. Uh, How many seven, of them are redheads? Seven grandchildren. <laughs> and actually, none of them, one of them is redheaded. But uh, actually, really? when, I, when I say we have eight, it's also not exact. To be, um, the first two are my wife's. Before we got married, she was a widow. Mm-hmm. Then four we had together. And then we had two girls that we adopted. Uh-huh. So uh, wow. we have eight children altogether. So how do you uh, how do you cope with such a loss after I mean it was almost thirty years together? It was, it was def- very very difficult. It was very painful. It was uh, as I said, I went through many many months of being alone and uh, uh, striving and uh, going through days of 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 uh, uh, reminding myself of the of the wonderful years we had together. Uh, and uh, thank God, they said, thank God a month and a half ago I got married again uh, to a lovely wife, Hadass. Uh, and, uh, How'd you meet her? And so first, the, the first 25 years of my life, uh, of my marriage, were, were wonderful years, and we, had, and we were very wonderful together, and 
they're still part of my my life and they've not been erased. And now at the Senate Manning meeting with Hadas, I actually met her part of my activity here in the Knesset. Really? Yeah. She established an organization called Amitzim, which is the uh, translated into Brave, but uh, it's also an abbreviation in Hebrew for Almanot Yetumim Tzirim. And she actually uh, dealt, deals till this very day with helping or empowering and strengthening uh, widows and orphans, uh, not those who were uh, uh, lost their beloved ones in wars or in terror, just uh, widows and orphans from cancer, heart attacks, uh, suicide, uh, car accidents, uh, um, people dropping dead, etc., etc. And pretty much many of them were, are you, lo- you lose your protection, you lose your uh, your back backbone, and that's what 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 a losing a parent or losing a a, a a mate is all about, and she is trying to uplift uh, those. She develops uh, uh, workshops where they discuss their situation together and they meet together. She gives out scholarships for those, and she she's mainly trying to empower uh, those. And she came here to the Knesset to have to try to promote her activity. And uh, one thing led to another. One thing led to another. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I can't help but think about uh, in Fiddler on the Roof. There's a scene where Tuvia, after blow after blow, he looks up at the sky and he plainly asks God, "What, what do you want from my life? What do you want? Did you have such a moment?" No, I. Maybe it's 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 also has to do with characteristics characteristics of a person. Uh, in general, I'm I'm a very optimistic person. Maybe because I buy my glasses at the optometrist. If I would buy my glasses at the pessimist, maybe I would be pessimistic. <laughs> but I I I I I believe that you know I, it doesn't mean that you don't have agony. It doesn't mean you don't go through very difficult times. But when you deep inside, you really have the faith that God knows what He's doing, and that everything's there to move things ahead. And really, as I said, I was accompanied by God's hand personally every single day. But when I look at look back at, at the at the state of Israel and the and the world what's going on in the past century, you can't not see the hands of God and when you, you when and when and when you when you see the hand of God and you know that there's somebody there who's guiding things, then you can't lose hope. And you just look what what's your next job? What 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 strength, what what energy is gonna come out of the of the days of agony and the days of uh, of suffering, and uh, that's what keeps you, you going. Things. That's what it has to keep you going. Is that the the other alternative is sinking into uh, this dep- depression or uh, despair? Okay, that's so inspiring. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Yuda. Uh, before we go, we have a collaboration with the Jewish Journal. There, yeah. It's a Jewish news outlet in Los Angeles, jewishjournal.com. Okay. You guys should check them out. Okay, I'm going to be in Los Angeles in May, in the first, first, very first week of can, May. Can people, do you do talks and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I'll be talking. You can contact contact me on the and, and I'll be happy to meet with you in my next visit to Los Angeles. You're on social media, right? I'm on social media. You can't, you can't hide. Twitter, you can, you Facebook. You can find me Twitter, Facebook, Skype, uh, <laughs> email. Snapchat. Uh, no, I'm not Snapchat. Not, and, and, not, and, not in, <laughs> and I, I, I even have uh, uh, what's, uh, Instagram, I, everything you want. But uh, but I think the, the, the easiest way is to find me on Facebook or, or Twitter or uh, just 
um, what's up? You can find me. You can't hide these days. You can't yeah. say, uh, no, daddy's not home. He'll be home next week. doesn't work that way. <laughs> cool. Uh, so if you want to meet with you, have meet with me in, 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 uh, if you want to meet with me in Los Angeles, come to my talks in Los Angeles. I'll be there uh, in the very first week of, of May. Uh, I'll be more than happy to meet with people. Uh, anybody who wants to really share the vision of Shalom Jerusalem Foundation ideas, more than happy to meet anybody and to uh, really uh, cooperate with anybody who wants to believe in what we're doing. And the organization you were part of before, when uh, before Temple Mount Heritage Foundation, and they still they're still running. They're still running. Okay. And, uh, donations, they accept donations. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, they accept donations, and uh, they said. Shalom Jerusalem Foundation, Temple Mount Heritage Foundation, Amitzim. Anybody, we have what to do, we can connect. But really, we're, we're trying to make a, a large connection to the world, to connect to the people of, of the book, to the book, to the land, the people of the land, to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount. We're here. All the buzzwords. Anybody who wants <laughs> to be an ambassador for Israel, for God, for Jerusalem... I'll happy be happy to connect you. Great. Thank you. Uh, we also, also before we go, we do this on our free time, guys. So if you uh, want to throw a few shekels our way, you can go to 2njb.com slash donate. We also accept donations. Um, thank you so much thank for joining you. us and taking your okay. time. Take care of yourself. Thank Best you very luck. much. And, and mazal tov. Mazal tov. Yeah. You can actually find me on our website, jerusalemofpeace.com. Jerusalemofpeace.com. Jerusalem we'll, we'll put okay. a link. Yep. Bye. Thank Bye, you. guys. Bye-bye.